All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another edition of The Less Stressed Life, where we teach exhausted and burnt out adults the truth about adrenal fatigue so that they can get their health back quickly. And I'm really excited to be interviewing our next guest, Charlie Johnson. He is an online transformation coach, and he works with busy professionals who enjoy qualities of life while at the same time being able to achieve the dream physique. I'm really excited to interview Charlie because myself personally, I had developed my fatigue and exhaustion as a result of overtraining. And, and I really wanted to pick Charlie's brain and get some insights on how to avoid that and all the other things that are associated with transforming your physique. So Charlie, thank you so much for being here today. Pleasure, Joel. Um, so th this is a fascinating topic and something that I love uh, discussing and there's a lot of rabbit holes we can go down with this. And I'm going to start with like the low hanging fruit first, get straight into it. And that's like training and training volume. Um, because I think the biggest mistake we have as a society at the moment, I don't know if you'll agree with this, is that we have this, um, this opinion that necessarily doing more of anything or more of or eating more of something or doing more of everything is better and not necessarily doing more is better, better is better. So I think the biggest mistake a lot of people make is they associate uh, working out more as in doing more sets or training more frequently with getting better results. Where in reality, I actually find that a lot of clients, when they come to me, we actually strip their training back. So they only do maybe three hours a week of weight sessions and they get way better results from doing less work and there's less stress on the body. Because one of the things people don't think about is that every time you're doing a repetition, say, say you've got uh, an elbow issue, because it's quite a common one. You say you've got elbow tendonitis. Or, or your knee, let's, let's use the knee as an example. Every time you do, say, for example, a leg extension or leg machine, you're putting stress to that joint and you're going to be causing inflammation. If you're training over and over again and doing high reps and lots of sets, like that's going to create a lot of uh, extra inflammation and fatigue within the joints and the tissue within that area. And then the reality is that you can get a lot more bang from your buck by having less sets, but higher quality within the set that you're doing in terms of your technique um, the amount of load you're doing, how hard you're pushing yourself. And that for me is the first thing that I would really try and address with people when they come to me and they're in the situation where they might have adrenal fatigue, they're run down, they're not recovering. Like the first thing would be looking at, okay, what's, what's the battering ram that's literally like nailing down your nervous system and, and causing this from a, a training point of view. And I, I don't know if you agree with that, Joel, is that something you've seen with people coming to you that they have this association with like, I have to do more, I have to do more, I have to do more. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. And uh, it's interesting. I like that. Not more is better, better is better. And what we tell people, Charlie, is that there's a Goldilocks zone of not too little and not too much, but you want to be somewhere in the right, uh, the right amount because we process so many stimuli on a daily basis. And I think that's what's leading to so much fatigue and exhaustion between notifications on our phones, EMFs, text messaging, all of these things, plus, you know, putting out um, fires, to-do lists, so many micromanaging of different stressors cumulatively, cumulatively over and over and over again. And I think exercise is a really good, um, and weight training is a really good sample of that specific thing happening in the body. And you're right. I, and that's, that's very true in terms of it's the quality of the movement and it's also um, the 
the ability to not overload the system. So why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story in terms of, I know you potentially had some um, challenges yourself, health challenges, and how did you get into doing what you were doing? Um, so to give a brief synopsis, so when I was about 17, 18, uh, I qualified as a trainer and I was always a little bit overweight at that stage. And I was in my teens, uh, early 20s, and that probably resonate with a lot of people who listen to this right now. Um, but I always loved working out. And again, it's interesting we're talking about uh, the training more and not getting results situation because that's 100% what I was doing. I had this uh, belief that if I train twice a day, I'd get twice, twice as good results. So if you do 10 sets of bicep curls, if you do 20, all your arms will grow twice as fast, which obviously could be further from the truth. Um, so I qualified as a trainer when I was 18, 19. I was PTing people for about a year. Um, and I wasn't necessarily training the demographic of clientele I wanted to train. So I went and did a ski season, random fact, I'm a qualified ski instructor. Um, I came back and then went into the property industry and then, um, and then cause I didn't want to go back into training people in the gym personally one-to-one. Uh, and then I managed a branch for real estate agents for five, 10 years and then in the meantime, I started to take my own training and nutrition much more seriously. And probably when I got to about 25, 26, suddenly like a, a flip switched, some flip switch, some switch flipped the other way around. And um, I like decided, okay, I'm, I'm going to do a physique competition. And that was uh, an interesting experience to say the least. And it's interesting, I was reading a, a book today. One of the things it said is that like, you should do one thing every single week that scares you, like it could be anything. And that at the time was like terrifying because like you're standing in your pants on a stage and you pretty can't put yourself out there much more than that. But um, what that gave me the ability to do is it gave me a very concise goal with a, a specific deadline. And I pushed myself to uh, complete fatigue, probably adrenally, everything. Like, I remember the point where I was at work and I was trying to walk down the street and I could literally hardly put one foot in front of the other because again, I was overtraining. I trained like, I think up until the show every day for three weeks straight which again in hindsight is a terrible idea um so like i've been there and i've been that person i've gone to like the the complete extreme of like depleted training every day for nearly a month uh and now i go to the complete opposite extreme where i am now where like i train a lot less and i get way better results because now i've learned through age and experience that it's listening to your body is the most important thing you can do and you have to take back these little bits of feedback like the real thing that i teach clients now and is the real hit home point i want everyone to focus on and everyone to who's listening to this to take on board is that the whole point of training nutrition everything is becoming self-aware and aware of your body and how certain things make you feel and learning about yourself and once you become more aware of how certain foods make you feel how certain training makes you feel it's then easier for you to make more informed decisions based upon um how you feel on that day so one of the st most stupid things you can people do is say for example they uh their back hurts and they go to the gym and they've got deadlifts in their program and they still do deadlifts it's like if something's not right don't just do it for the sake of doing it and i think that's one of the big things people need to take on board and i think there's a, a big element when it comes to training that people need to understand that when you come i like to give the analogy with your body and energy levels recovery is like when you're training you're digging a hole 
And uh, through exercise, if you're in a calorie deficit, you're burning body fat, you're digging a hole. And a lot of people will dig such a big hole that they can't get themselves out from recovering. So they're permanently in that hole of recovery where their body's just constantly run down and fatigued. And then it's that compound effect that just goes on and on and on. And then inflammation within the body will increase and it goes on and on until it gets to breaking point and then they probably get a serious injury. And that's why one of the things that we'll talk through later on in the podcast is like, there's some telltale signs I would look at in terms of from a, a training point of view where you can realize this is happening. And there's certain techniques that we use with clients that help to dig you back out of that hole and fill the hole in, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Why don't you kind of go right into that, Charlie, and come up with those, share the telltale signs that um, you see people doing. So I was listening to, I don't know if anyone else listened to uh, Jocko Winnink podcast today, and he said something, uh, I'm probably going to completely bastardize this quote, but he said something that's very, very good that was basically like, uh, all failure in life is psychological rather than death. Because like, if you, I don't know, say for example, you're, you're trying to run a 5k and you want to try and beat your time. Like you will psychologically give up before your body gives up unless you actually die. Like, and that's pretty much fact. Uh, Cause you're consciously deciding to, to give up. So that's something that I think is very important to take on board. But then also on the other side of things, people need to be aware that like you need to use your brain more than your balls for when you're training and when you're looking after yourself, because the more I age and the older I get, the more experience I get, I now see life as a way of protecting my energy and protecting my body. So then when I want to train, then I have the full cap capability to go like full steam ahead and the rest of the time I, I rein it in. So uh, someone who's been a bit of a mentor to me the last few years is a guy called Ben Bukowski and he talks a lot about um, having two mental states in terms of having the warrior and the monk and it's like flipping your nervous system between the two. And that's quite a good analogy to think of in terms of you almost have like an alter ego but looking for signs of tape where you're starting to get run down the first thing i start to say is that if you're at the point where you're going to the gym and you're like you know what? i can't be asked for this um i'm not really feeling it and, and you normally love training that for me is normally a big sign that something's probably not right if you're trying to really push it you have to force yourself to do it and you normally like training so one of the best things i find with clients in that respect or myself it's like, it's like dealing with children, but you have to like reverse psychology yourself. So if you take the gym away and you're like, okay, I'm not allowed to train for three days. By the time you come back on the fourth day, you're literally chomping at the bit ready to go and your body will be completely refreshed. So that's one of the first things I'd look at is when people say like, oh, I'm really not enjoying training at the moment. I like whatever's going on. And maybe they've got a lot of personal stress going on. The best thing they can actually do sometimes in that situation is actually take a step back to take two steps forwards. I don't know if that's anything you've experienced yourself, Joel. Oh, absolutely. Uh, less is more for sure. One of the things that I, I used to train a lot myself and I don't, I mean, obviously you'll know Dorian Yates, but do you remember yeah. um, Mike Mentzer, Metzger, yeah. I think his name was. Yeah. So he had a book called heavy duty training. And it was about like, every time you go to the gym, I don't know how I feel about it now, but at the point when I read that it was, it was, it was a paradigm shift for me because it kind of resonates with what you said. I had that where you would go to the gym and you didn't feel like being there and your, your enthusiasm and your physical capacity were a lot less. And that's what he was talking about with, with the heavy duty training is going about it in the, with the way of bringing more energy each workout 
so that you're building on that and and make, making sure you're listening to your body and it's not set and regimented that you got to do every single day. So how, how did, I guess it's, it's, it, you do have sort of this yin yang of the, the monk and the, what was the other? Warrior. What was the, the, the warrior. The warrior. The, the, yeah. So you also have like the, the regimented and the instinctual, right? So how do you, how do you balance those two? The, one of the ways to really look at that in terms of balance the two of those is very much like data in some respects so for example i'm a big fan of um say from like a conventional gym training point of view tracking your your main lifts and you're at the point where for example say everyone in america loves bench press we'll use bench press as an example um always fascinated everyone in america loves the bench but there you go um so say for example you've got bench press in your program and that is now no longer progressing. You're not improving anywhere on that. Like that to me, again, would probably be a telltale sign that you're probably starting to burn out your nervous system where your performance levels are no longer starting to increase. Now, that being said, you could also reverse engineer this back and think, okay, is there any other reason why this could be happening? Because um, it's almost like you have to play the game of being a detective, like Sherlock Holmes of your body. So if you think about... Um, what's happened the day before the day before that in terms of your training sessions and try and identify if there's been anything else that could be causing issues so has your sleep been bad have you been overly stressed have you not been eating correctly have you been dehydrated have you been doing a lot more exercise than usual and just try and identify if there's any other reasons why your performance could be decreasing or not improving and if it's not progressing and you are and being honest with yourself you're trying your best to progress that then that would be, again, another telltale sign to me physiologically that you could be pushing at the end of the point where you might want to maybe take two, three days off. Now, one thing I would say with this being in mind, like, quote, unquote, the jazzy term in the training industry is a deload, is what they call them. Um, I don't think you need to program in, like, every six weeks we take a whole week off, every eight weeks we take a whole your partner's birthday comes up, you've got Christmas, you've got New Year, you've got something like uh, you might become unwell. All these small things happen that will mean that you might have to take two, three, four days off train. It will naturally mean you have to take a little bit of a break or you go on vacation and we used to be allowed to do those sort of things. Um, no jokes about that on the podcast. But um, so like listening to your body in that respect is very important. And the other telltale sign in terms from a training point of view I'd look at is if you're finding that you're not recovering between sessions in terms of um, joint, like joint integrity, if your elbows, knees are feeling more inflamed than usual, and you just don't feel quite hundred percent, that's normally a very obvious sign. Now, when it comes to muscle soreness, you can still train with some muscle soreness because generally all muscle tissue will repair within 48 hours. And anything beyond that just generally tends to be inflammation. So I'm not overly concerned if someone has a little bit of muscle soreness still, but one thing I'd say to anyone listening, if you are going into your next training session and you're still a bit sore, you probably actually need to reduce again, like we were saying, the amount of workload you're doing within those sessions, or maybe space them out an extra day just to optimize your recovery. Because again, it's not about how hard we can train. It's about how hard we can recover because the recovery is the key bit that's going to help you take two steps forward rather than taking two steps backwards. 
Yeah. And I think for people that are listening, I hope they have a couple of light bulbs go off because even though it's tough to hear, like you want to make those gains, you want to work out twice as hard to get twice as much of results. Um, you realize through wisdom and, and going through it yourself that, that you got to train smarter and, and to get those gains, you got to do less. That's kind of a tough paradigm for people to, to understand. So Charlie, as far as when you were, you mentioned when you were training for your show and you ended up doing something that was fearful and having to do that, you learned a lot about yourself, but I would imagine the best thing or one of the, the top things that you learned was how your body processes nutrients and how to be able to cut body fat um, and to be able to get leaner and leaner, which isn't a recipe book where you just read uh, uh, an article and then you apply the information because as you suggest with all the people that you work with, everyone's individual and everyone's going to have customized recommendations. So kind of get, lead us down that rabbit hole, uh, Charlie, in terms of what you learned with the individuality of the body and, and for yourself specifically, but how do you then apply those principles to the people that you make transformations for? Big thing I'd say first to this, and this is my greatest gift and skill, is giving the giving people and clients the ability to believe in themselves. Because I didn't believe in myself until I did it. And then once I realized I could get in shape, I was like, shit, like this is what happens. When you, like when you when you turn up the dial 10% on being more accurate with stuff, you get an extra 50% results. It's not like a we do a little bit 10% more accuracy in terms of what we're doing. We get 10% more results. It's literally like night and day. And when that pe that penny dropped for me, that was really life-changing. And that's my um, gift now with clients. And I had a client, I don't know if he's listening to this, Peter, who said to me, he's like, my biggest surprise when I speak, you speaking with uh, one of my coaches and then speaking speak with me, he was like, I can't believe how certain you guys are about getting results. And I was like, it's foolproof. It's impossible because it just, it is. And it's the whole thing is just um, having the individual believe in themselves because once I'm big into like law of attraction, if you believe you can do something, you can achieve anything. So I'm currently sitting in Dubai looking over the Persian Gulf and two years ago, I was still working full time uh, in a real estate job. So like, and then I work for myself, do what I want when I want. And it, like anything can happen when you commit to something wholeheartedly and you believe in it, but you just have to have the confidence to do that and have the support network around you, which is really what I provide. But in terms of from a practical point of view for anyone listening, the real low hanging fruit in terms of what you really need to pay attention to and like learning about yourself is, as I said, those like those small details, they do accumulate and compound and make a difference over a period of time. So if you're, for example, uh, at the weekend, you Monday, the classic example is like the weekend warrior, Monday to Friday, everyone's perfect. And they like wear everything to the ground, but right, it's not you have to weigh stuff. And then Saturday and Sunday comes and it's like a car crash. And then Monday rolls around again and people are guilty. And then that same trap of them, they'll probably burn themselves out in the week because they'll be working loads, they'll train loads, they won't eat enough. And then they go back into the weekend and they overeat. And it's just that repetitive cycle I see over and over and go on. And what we want to try and do is really break that, um, break that cycle. And as soon as that penny drops with the client, they realize, okay, I can still eat some stuff that I enjoy at the weekend, have a meal with my partner and go out and enjoy myself. And then like 80% of the time I stay on track, I'll get world-class results. And it's just teaching these habits is the key. And the big thing that like we focus on is teaching um, 
like say for example you want to walk around at 10 percent body fat what we want you to do is create the right habits on a daily basis that a person who has who would be 10 percent body fat will have so you eat the right food you you're active you have a positive mindset all these bits and pieces and as these habits come into your life as a byproduct your physique will become an end the end end result um but I'm digressing a little bit, but in terms of uh, things for people to look at, I think the big overlooked aspects are digestion would be the first and foremost um, and the quality and the food you're eating, because there's a lot of things which can cause problems digestively that people aren't aware of. And like, I've learned a lot about myself even in the last 12 to 18 months um, with things triggering my digestion, causing bloating. And we have to remember that a huge amount of our immune system is based within our digestive tract. So if we've got digestive problems, we've got inflammation in the gut, that's going to cause a whole host of other issues um, which are going to lead up from that. So two of the, the easy things I'd probably look at trying to take out, or three things I'll take out of your diet, um, try and remove anything processed in terms of um, very heavy in artificial sweeteners, colorings, anything that's not generally a single ingredient item food, um, try and limit it. I would generally recommend limiting dairy because... Uh, most people tend to have issues uh, tolerating lactose. And then the last thing I would say is most people don't realize, but they have an issue with gluten, which is something that I've only clocked onto in the last six to 12 months. Um, I don't know if those are things you've experienced with some of your clients, Joel. Yeah. I mean, the first thing though, is the mindset. It, it's amazing. Cause you know, a lot of people, when, whenever you talk about the word transformation, whether it's transforming your body or transforming your life, uh, you have to believe that you can do that. And I think a lot of people don't believe it, whether it's stinking thinking or the inflammation that's in their gut goes to their brain, or they've tried so many different things and it hasn't worked, or life's not fair and it's not going to happen for them. Whatever it is, it's, it's, it's almost like a foregone conclusion. I mean, if you don't have that belief set before you even embark on um, the tools that you need to do to get there, I think you're not going to get there anyway. So that would be the first thing that resonates with me. And, and it also in terms of you're more than just a transformation coach, Charlie, in terms of everything you're talking about, you're, 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 you're telling like when you work out the muscles of the skeletal system um, in the gym, but you're also working the brain system um, as well inside and outside of the gym. And it's all one unit. And the evolution is, you you read magazines in the beginning and you just kind of do what everyone's doing but then when you start with that journey you learn how your body works and and you evolve all the muscles not just the the muscles of the body the muscles of the brain um, but yes as far as um, gluten and dairy if i have never worked with anyone i will tell them like you should get off of gluten and dairy uh, dairy for more than one reason, not just the fact that they can't break down lactose, but most of the um, bovine hormones, if it's not hormone free stuff, that's a huge problem. Um, also, they're eating corn and they're corn fed. I mean, it's, it's almost we become neurotic knowing how bad that is. 
Um, plus the protein in dairy looks so similar to the protein in wheat. So even if you don't have a lactose problem, you're probably cross-reacting to the protein in gluten. It's 80% as similar. So I'll tell people it's like putting a key in the lock. Um, the gluten key will open the door, but the dairy key will still fit in the lock. It just won't open it, which basically means your immune system will still react to it if you're reacting to if it's reacting to gluten. So those are the big things. And plus gluten has been adultered. It has glyphosate and and there's, you know, chemicals in that as well. So I love that the idea of getting rid of processed food, if your grandma doesn't recognize that food, it's probably not a good food for you to be eating. So um, so as far as I guess the, the next question would be, Charlie, as far as the, the dietary goes, um, a lot of you've, you've tried different diets. Uh, what, what has worked best for you? Um, I'll go into that one second. One other thing I actually think it might be worth adding value in to mention is that uh, signs and symptoms of things might cause issues for you. So this is something that really triggered with me lot not christmas this year the year before so christmas day obviously you tend to go overboard and enjoy yourself and i ate an awful lot but like in one day i put on five kilos which is a hell of a lot and it was just water weight so i put on five kilos and within five four or five days i dropped it again and that was just inflammation from my body in terms of like i was eating cheesecake cheese dairy gluten you like chocolate whatever you name it, it was going in and um and yeah i went completely overboard and it was moronic but that again was a very uh, obvious trigger to me being like, okay, my body clearly cannot cope. It does not like processed foods because my inflammation just goes to the absolute roof. And I also noticed that I get a very heavy brain fog when I start to have foods like that. So anyone listening, if you notice that you have a quote unquote cheat meal at the weekend and your weight goes through the absolute roof because you're eating uh, things like ice cream, cheesecakes, whatever, then that's probably a sign that those things really don't agree with your body and it's setting off a very heavy autoimmune response. So um, that, that would be something I would add in. Um, when it comes to nutrition, this is so specific to the individual and more so to the psychology of the individual. So I've tried pretty much everything. The one thing I would I generally don't advocate um, as a whole would be a ketogenic diet from the point of view that for most people, all they want is fat loss. Now, they do a ketogenic diet and they lose weight on the scale. So the scale starts to drop because they're depleting their muscle tissue of glycogen, which is going to make them lighter. They're generally also going to be eating less volume of food, which means their stomach's going to have less food within them, so they're going to be lighter. Um, and yes, they will start to lose body fat because they're in a calorie deficit because they've removed um, one of the three macronutrients so that the body has no choice but start to... Um, start to use body fat for fuel but what I would what I, my preference is is generally and I know this isn't sexy or glamorous and it's not like something you can put in a magazine is using a, a balanced diet or we use all three macronutrients but the thing that I would do um, I use with myself and with clients and if I was to put a jazzy term on it I call it like a metabolic priming approach where we basically will put um, carbohydrates uh, around the workouts when our body needs them to fuel training and fuel performance so we can optimize uh, body composition and we can focus on uh, the saying I like, and it's like um, uh, feel great, perform great, look great. So if you generally feel awesome, you can train awesome. And then as a byproduct, you'll look awesome. So we really try and fuel the training window with that. So days when 
um, you'll be working out. You have slightly higher carbohydrates, maybe a little bit less fat. Protein would always stay consistent. And then days where you're not training, we would reduce your carbohydrate levels down to have slightly less carbohydrates and calories on those days because you don't have the same energy output. And what this effectively do, uh, does will put you through a calorie and a carbohydrate cycle as you go through the week. And it will keep you sensitive in terms of um, like insulin sensitivity, improving nutrition, uh, nutrient partitioning. So these are all very important in terms of from a body composition point of view. Um, a very common question that a lot of people say and have a big fear of is regards to carbohydrates. In particular, oh, you can't eat carbohydrates after six o'clock in the evening because you'll turn into, um, I don't know, turn into the BFG or something. Like it doesn't work like that. So one of the things I find works really, really well with clients and works myself. Like I'm inherently quite greedy and like eating food, hands up. Um, and uh, what I like to do with clients generally is I like to try and leave their carbohydrates generally to later in the day, in particular on days where they're not training, if they have slightly less food for a couple of reasons. So number one is that you generally, if you're going to be sitting down and enjoying a meal and relaxing more, it's going to be in the evening at the end of the day, which is also when you're going to be more likely to get led astray and want to pick other stuff. So if you have probably your biggest meal of the day towards the end, the likelihood is then it'll be easier for you to stay, to adhere to your diet, which is ultimately the key to anyone getting results is it is adherence and people being able to stick to something. So um, it's obviously what's optimal in terms of like scientifically and like the small percentages and versus what's practical and what's practical that someone can stick to psychologically will always get the best results. So that would always be my preference in that respect. And again, that comes to down to as well. Um, one thing I always recommend with people, uh, myself and clients, anyone is that if you want to go out the weekend, and you want to have a meal, we have whatever you want. That's completely awesome. That's no problem. Uh, but I'd always suggest people do that as the last meal of the day, because if you're going into say you're like okay it's saturday i'm gonna have a meal this weekend have whatever i want 9 a.m i'm gonna have a ton of pancakes i'm gonna have bake and have all this stuff there's no way on earth you're gonna be eating like sensibly probably the rest of the day um so that's some basic tips in terms of what i would suggest people should be looking to in terms of setting up their nutrition um, and some other things that can help i would suggest you try and meal frequency is a common question again person specific so I would say when days people are working out, you probably want maybe higher frequency of meals. So maybe four or five, potentially six, depending on how long you're awake and how hungry you are. Um, and then days where you don't work out, you could probably have slightly less and potentially maybe even push back your first meal of the day to maybe uh, mid morning if you wanted to. That would be generally how I tend to structure diets with clients and myself. But again, it's very specific to the individual in terms of what works for them. But again, in terms of food choices, like we were talking to about a minute ago, it will always be very um, easy to digest foods that sit well with the individual. So we'll be avoiding things like uh, even say, for example, like the best one, I love oats. So like I'm a big oats man. And I never realized why I was getting issues with oats, like bloating and stuff until I was like, okay, I'll try gluten-free oats. No issue at all. So again, like the big thing with me, with clients is just making sure that the food choices they are making that are on the plan are, are the correct ones because those small little differences can make it make a can compound over a period of time to be much much better results and ultimately my job is to, to make it as efficient and easy as possible to go from point a to where you are now to point b which is the end result with as less stress as possible if that makes sense 
Yeah, no, that's a great answer. What was it, what was the jazzy term? The metabolic reboot, or so what I, was... I call it a metabolic priming approach, metabolic priming diet. So it's like we're just trying to utilize the body to um, use fuel when it actually needs it and feed the body nutrients when it actually needs it. So we're basically giving it the right food and fuel at the right times. Whereas a lot of people don't tend to take in the necessarily pay attention to the small details of that. And ultimately, like the other meals of the day don't really matter. But for me, the most important ones um, for anyone listening would be the meal before training and the meal after training and making sure you're hydrated within that window. Um, I'm not necessarily a big advocate of promoting supplements with people, but the other big thing that I find for most people makes a big difference is also adding in a, an intra-workout drink, um, which would contain carbohydrates uh, so like form of glycogen for performance and just make sure that towards the end of the session, you don't drop off um, amino acids, which are basically like broken down forms of protein, which will, again, will prevent um, muscle breakdown to muscle breakdown as much will aid recovery. So that again, we can train harder, more frequently. Um, and I'd also add in things like creatine into that as well, because our body is most receptive to taking nutrients when we're training um, and when we've actually got like blood within the muscle, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it's great suggestions. I love it, Charlie. And um, it's, it, it's common sense is not so common, number one, right? And uh, in terms of what you say, it's not, it's not cracking the atom. It's, it's just common sense. Like if I'm going to work out more, I'm going to need more fuel. And if I'm not working out as much, I'm not going to need as much fuel. Um, I'm going to also need more available fuel that gets into the gas tank a lot quicker. And that would necessitate me having more carbohydrates. So I, I love that. I love that information that you're giving. As far as when you have clients that reach out to you and ultimately they want to lower their body fat and, you know, increase their mass, if they hit a plateau, and they are not moving because that could be really difficult for a, a coach. Um, how do you troubleshoot that? And how do you, what do you usually find are the reasons or the common reasons for people hitting those plateaus? So the body is a complex machine, which I like to think of it as, and it will eventually adapt to everything we do. So at some point, things will need to change. And like we have clients checking every week and the best result a client can have is where we don't have to change anything because it means it's working perfectly. We will only change things when there is a need to where something slows down or progress stops. So that's when we will then maybe look at changing training volume, training frequency, um, depending on the goal. If their goal is to get leaner, then maybe look at increasing cardiovascular output. So burning more calories or maybe looking at dropping uh, calories slightly and we can also look at manipulating macronutrients slightly depending on um where people are at within the quote-unquote fitness journey or transformation i often see that with say people who are higher body fat percentages say for example a guy comes to me he and he's 18 to 20 percent body fat now and we work all the way down he gets to maybe say 12 percent, and then things start to plateau we can even keep his calories at the same sort of level but what I'll actually oft, often do, and I, I've done with myself this year, and it works superbly well. So I'll use myself as case studies as a great example. So I think November time, I was dieting for a photo shoot, and I was hitting a wall. I was hungry all the time. My training sessions were starting to dip. 
And what I did and what I do with clients is I dropped my protein intake down, uh, say from like 300 to 200. And what I did, I just swapped it for carbohydrates. So I added the calories still say the same because there's four calories per gram of carbohydrates, four calories per gram of protein, but just altered the macronutrient ratio. And generally when you're leaner, your body's much more receptive to use carbohydrates more efficiently. And you don't actually generally need as much protein as you think a lot of the time. So, and also another benefit of a higher carbohydrate diet, it generally tends to make you feel fuller. So at that point, I was starting to feel quite hungry a lot of the time, which again, when you start to get a client who's starting to push from going, say from 12% body fat downwards, that's when it then becomes much more about staying adherent to the diet and pushing a little bit harder because once you're starting to go, say even lower, like 10% and below it, then there, there is no if, buts or maybes, you're probably going to have to push the calories lower and lower and lower to, to get to where you want to be. So um, altering those macronutrients when you get to that sort of trigger point can sometimes be an absolute game changer, but it's looking at the, um, the telltale signs in terms of client feedback. And this refers back to what I said at the very start of the podcast is like the greatest gift that, this journey of like transforming your body has is making you self-aware because the big thing that I need from people is how do you actually feel? So like and being aware of your own body and how certain foods make you feel, how your energy is, uh, how your mood is, how your digestion is, and then passing that feedback on. So then I can make an informed decision uh, to the client and that based upon uh, my own opinion and then anecdotal experience working with thousands of people. But that, that's an excellent example in terms of how we would look to manipulate things, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I love asking, uh, having you as a guest, because typically the people that I work with are exhausted and burnt out. And they're, they're not at the luxury of wanting their body fat to go below 10. They're just wanting to get out of bed and be able to make sure they clean the house. But I think it's a great example of let's just assume you did have the ability to do all this it's all the details in the minutia of all the small little things in terms of um, timing and, and percentages and ratios. And most importantly, actually contracting the muscle and moving and bringing oxygen and blood flow. And I think it's a really important lesson for people listening. Like, obviously, you're not going to just transport yourself into this conversation and be right and commensurate where we are but it should be informative to them that hey like if if like we're not even talking about people that are burnt out we're talking about people that are wanting to get their levels of body fat lower because they are doing the basics they're exercising they're um they're eating healthy they're removing crap from their diet there so it's a it's a really great lesson that we're, we're talking about as far as when you have someone that um is has a lot of mental stuff going on in terms of stress and life and relationships and maybe even health issues that are part of your coaching clients. What's your approach with that, Charlie, when like, okay, like we, we are dialing in, you, you know, the easy ones are the ones that we don't have to change anything. It's working for them, but the tough ones are, it's not working for them. And it comes down to more than just the, um, just the macros and it's maybe as you guys mentioned the bollocks it's all that other stuff that's going yeah. on so how do you deal with that so that this is where the big thing is life is you, you can't go 
if you want to achieve success, you're generally not going to go there alone. And that's where it comes down to having accountability and support and a community around you. So um, it's actually quite poignant having this conversation today. So last night we had um, a chap called John Fleming, who is basically a, a performance psychologist. He's someone I work with personally. Um, and I think more people should talk about mental health and optimizing the way they think and feel. So John does calls for us uh, once a month with all the clients as like an open format. And then we also have, um, we have a very interactive and supportive community of clients and coaches as well. And that's very much where people lean on each other and take inspiration from each other because people will share uh, their own journey. So within the Facebook group that I've had X problems going on this week, I've got an addiction to X, Y, Z. However, I've still managed to get back on track and then, people see it's one of those things in life if you see someone else has done what you want to do and they've got the same situation you do like Shit, i could do this like it's that realization and that comes back to what i was saying earlier like my gift is giving people confidence to go and fulfill their maximum potential because realistically we can all within reason achieve what we want but we can achieve the greatest version of ourselves but we hold ourselves back within our own limiting beliefs and we just need to almost like like release ourselves from the shackles sometimes and have that confidence to really go for it. Whereas we stay too much in the shadows and almost just like play it safe too much. And that's where the big thing is for most people is, is the hardest bit with anything is say, for example, reaching out to you, Joel, for, for help being like, I'm stressed, I'm run down or, or to me to get into shape or whoever it might be. That's the hardest bit is that first step and asking for help and initially engaging that conversation. And then once you've, taking that first step is then easy for myself to guide the person through their journey or, or you. And, and that's really what we're here to do in life. Like I, as a person, um, am a product of coaching. I have coaching for every different aspect of my life, basically, because I see life as a weird game of like skill acquisition now and like an improvement. And I take fulfillment from progression and the fastest way to progress uh, with no stress is by having people support you along the way who have, been there and maybe done what you want to do and then them giving you the structure uh, of the systems to follow and the big thing for anyone listening who has anxiety or stress and like these are all things like a year ago I was a bit of an anxious mess to be honest with you because I was trying to do too many things and didn't have enough structure in my life or whatever and as soon as you have everything structured and systematized and you turn up at the gym, you know what workout you're going to do you turn up at work and you know what you're supposed to be doing straight away you get up in the morning you know what work you're supposed to be doing you know what you're supposed to be eating that day you don't have you take away some of these decisions you have to have and you get rid of some of the decision fatigue and then life becomes quite simple from then onwards that would be my input on that that's a great great lots of nuggets in there charlie because the first nugget that i think about is um crabs in the bucket you know they want to pull you down when you start to get out of there and that's the trap of people that go to these support groups which i think are great in that it gives them information but you have to be careful of who you surround yourself with even if you're getting information because as you start to come out of that um that that challenge you may get some people that are uh, married to their identity and they're not, they don't realize consciously that they're not able to change or they're not willing to change or they've embraced or identified with that label. 
and and so on the on the flip side um, it's that much more important to surround yourself with people that want to uplift you um, and surround yourself by those people and I agree too the the first step is always that hardest step it's looking in the mirror and realizing your faults and being willing to um, make the changes that are necessary. So those are those are really great information. There was a couple other things that I wanted to say too, but I've forgotten. Um, as far as um, one of the curveballs I wanted to show throw you though was women. You know, I, and I was a trainer for many years as well. Um, women will always say. Well, I don't want to lift weights. I don't want to get muscular. You know, I knew, that, I knew sure. you were going to say that before you even said it. Yeah. So, so as far as like a lot of my clients that I work with are women and I've encouraged them to work out. And, you know, I, I get so frustrated when I go to the gym and I see really o overweight women that are on the, on the Stairmaster or, you know, and they're not doing any weights and, and I just, I don't go up to them. I wish I could and just say, Hey, listen, I want to, I'm telling you this from like the bottom of my heart of wanting to help you, but we could use a couple of muscle contractions as well because that you know so anyway so as far as what do we tell women that uh that are overweight and they're going to the gym and they're watching their diet and all they're doing is cardio because they don't want to quote unquote get really muscular so how, how do you approach that or i would imagine you don't even have to approach that because people that see you kind of already know that it's this is probably the one of the most frustrating things and he like I don't know why I thought this straight away, but I think about my mom straight away because my mom's got uh, osteoporosis and she's got scoliosis of the spine and loads of things. And like, for example, I've said to her for ages, you should be doing some form of resistance training because that's a great way to combat some of these things. And um, a little bit off topic, but for, in terms of from a longevity point of view, when people say people have died from old age, Generally, that's because they've become weak and feeble. And one of the main reasons people actually die is that, unfortunately, not be morbid, is that, say, for example, um, you're elderly and you're walking and you fall over because you're weak, you break your hip, and then you go into hospital and you end up dying from some sort of complication. And that, unfortunately, is a reality. So, like, forget weight loss or looking good for the beach or anything like that. If you want to be around and you want to be around for a long time, keeping this vessel we have for life, which is our body, fit and strong is going to put you in good stead. So that'd be the first thing I'd say. Um, I'd also say it's not actually that easy to gain a lot of muscle mass, in particular if you're a woman, because your hormonal profile isn't aligned to gaining a lot of muscle tissue. I've been trying for a long time and, and trust me, it's not that easy. Um, and like with women and gen people generally, um, we need to get away with this thought process when it comes to fat loss and food and exercise and calories of a, a debit credit approach in terms of, okay, I've eaten 300 calories, therefore I need to do 300 calories on the step mill to burn them off. Like that is not the right thought process. What we actually want to do is create, um, make our body a fertile environment for fat burning and, and lean muscle growth to change our body composition. And we're going to be able to do that by, as I was saying earlier in the podcast, improving our um, physical capabilities in terms of our performance. So, I'm not saying that people, women want to go out there and they want to go and squat 100 kilos for 50 reps or whatever it is, but you want to try and improve your own personal strength and fitness levels because you will then be able to, if you add more lean muscle tissue, you'll change the shape of your physique because we'll all know there's a skinny guy who looks like, he just looks like a skinny fat guy, even though he's skinny. And you see women who are stick thin and they still haven't got the body they want. It's because they haven't got the muscle tissue to have the shape they need. 
So even if your goal is, okay, I'm overweight, but I want to have an awesome bikini body, guess what? You still need to weight train and resistance training because without any muscle tissue in your frame, you'll just have, you'll have no shape. So um, that's the first thing you want to think about if that's your goal. But when it comes to actually uh, resistance training, there's so many benefits, and I'm sure you've probably shared these before, but in terms of uh, the way your body utilizes fuel, uh, food for fuel, um, in terms of improving your BMR makes a big difference. So your basal, me basal metabolic rate in terms of the amount of calories you can eat on a daily basis. And a lot of these you can't even... There's not necessarily studies or uh, formulas that, that prove these work, but I can say from my own experience where I've had women come to me who have been overweight, um, eating like 1,300 calories a day, and then 12 months later, they're like four stone lighter and they're eating 1,000 calories a day more, and then right, doing like half right. the amount of cardiovascular work. And like, there isn't really any studies or research to necessarily explain, like, to give you a specifics to why that happens, but it's basically you're just setting your body up to work the way it wants to work optimally rather than you're almost trying to drive a car and empty, which is what I see a lot of people doing. They try to say particular women will try and do a, I don't know, like a gimmicky juice diet or spinach diet or whatever. That's like a thousand calories a day. And then they'll try and burn a thousand calories a day doing cardiovascular work. And then what actually ends up happening is you're shooting yourself in the foot because week one, week two, yeah, you'll lose weight. Week three, you're, you're, body's adapting like i was saying earlier to everything you're doing your metabolism's down regulating everything's slowing down your body's basically going holy shit we're into starvation mode here and it's clinging onto body fat for dear life and then guess what happens as soon as you start trying to eat anything normal your body weight will just balloon back up because your body's like oh my god we've got calories again let's store all these calories because we don't know when the next starvation's coming and if you think about it in that simple analogy if you were um, i'm looking at the desert now in dubai if you're in the desert and you had no food, you and you couldn't. You were in a calorie deficit for two, three weeks. You'd want your metabolism to do, slow down to keep you alive, and that's essentially what's happening. And when you start to strip it that back to that sort of basic point of view, and then the clients start to understand that, and they understand, okay, I actually need to sometimes eat more to get better results. It, it's a, uh, it literally is like a, a penny drop moment, a mic drop moment. Yeah, it's a lot of paradigm shifts. And um, as far as that is a metabolic priming approach, for sure. And uh, as far as um, what I tell clients is, I think uh, adrenal fatigue is a terrible term because the adrenals don't actually stop putting out cortisol and they're exhausted. Um, if they do, they call that adrenal insufficiency and it's an autoimmune disease, but there are shades of gray. But what I do tell people is at the end of the day, you have a demand and supply problem. You're not producing energy at the level that your body needs to, to meet the demands of your daily basis. And, and the problem is, is that mitochondrial, mitochondrially at the mitochondrial level, your body's not the, the power plants of the cell. They're not producing energy. And no better way on, that we know to increase mitochondria by doing muscle contraction as well. So there's that whole, there's that whole aspect. As far as did your mom start exercising with weights? No, no. I, uh, it's one of those things that you're, you won't listen to this anyway, but my brother's a little bit overweight as well. And like, he's trying to lose weight again. And I try and help trying to guide the people who are closest to you sometimes is a tricky one. 
Yeah, that is good. That's a very diplomatic answer. Yeah, I know that I know the same thing because, you know, my sister is a real doctor and I am a holistic chiropractic uh, doctor. And whenever I tell my father about what I do and what he should do, it goes in one ear and it goes out the other ear. Um, the people that, you you know, even my kids, like I have a, a son who has some health challenges and we did testing on him. And, you know, it's hard to have that compliance with the family members um, I remember going to visit my dad not too long ago and he was in a, he's on kidney dialysis and they were serving uh, just wonder bread, which is horrible on its own with margarine, with margarine. And it was like, like margarine, you could leave out in the woods for 50 years and it would still be intact, you know? And it's like, if I tell him like my advice on that, it's like, I don't know. What, well, my doctor said, my, my doctor says it's okay. Yeah, you know? Oh my like, God. Crazy. I, so, I could I could yeah. go down that rabbit hole all, all day long. It's my it's my funny. My family live in Spain, and it's even worse there. It's, so it's yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, it's a lesson for you to like. You, you, when people want to get help, they'll get help. You know, and and yeah. when they reach a lot of the times, it's reactionary, right? It's at that point where they they are given a life you know a life sentence in terms of hey your your health and your how long you have to live and you have this illness and that's when they want to do something about it unfortunately so so in parting charlie i always ask this question um, what would the wise sort of sage Charlie tell the bright-eyed and bushy-tailed charlie i mean you learned a lot along the way and it's kind of a question that if you didn't have to go through all those things maybe you wouldn't have learned all the things you did to be able to tell the wise and you know tell the um, naive Charlie but with that being said what would you have told your younger self um, that would have gotten you quicker faster further um, in terms of health and wellness that you didn't know then uh three things I'm gonna say so Point number one is don't believe everything you read or you see is factual. Like we were just saying there about doctors. So the amount of poor advice I've seen given to family members or to people generally over the last 24 months is astounding. Um, and there's a lot of weird things in the news at the moment, but we, that could be a whole other podcast. Um, and um, point number two would be to drop the ego. Cause I think, when as a young man it's very easy to have an ego thinking you know it all um and just because something's taking you so far doesn't necessarily mean that there's something else that could take you there faster to the next level and the last thing i'd say is that um f like for me what's helped me really accelerate everything in my life the last 24 months and will be the biggest tip i recommend to anyone i'm not trying to plug anyone to coach you with me or you or whoever is if you want to go if you want to achieve something and you want to get results quickly, the fastest way to get there is to go to someone who knows how to get you the results and who's been there and done it over and over again. And the real telltale point is to think about, okay, what happens if I spend six to 12 months working as hard as I can, but going completely the wrong direction, doing the wrong thing? You've not only completely wasted a year of your life, you're never going to get back. You've also wasted a, a hell of a lot probably of money and investment within that. So that's something that almost uh, is why I'm hell bent on a, a mission to learn and level up at the moment, because I feel probably from 18 to even maybe 28, maybe 10 years, I just wasn't open-minded enough as I am now. And now I literally just try and be like a sponge and absorb everything from anyone and try and 
go to the best people in the world within specific niches and specific fields and pull and extract information from them. So then I can use that to help improve myself and the lives of the other people I work with. Yeah, those are great answers. I know cheap is expensive. And when you um, can leapfrog and invest, you know, I always tell people that story of like, okay, if I, I'm in Florida and if I want to get to California, I can have a different ways of getting there. And if I take a bus or I take a plane, the plane's going to be a lot more expensive, but I'm going to be buying time. And with that buying of time, I'll be able to have a return of investment. And there's a lot of paradoxes and shifts in terms of what we've talked about, because you'll even echo, I'm sure, when you have clients who are, who are tired or um, who what I tell them is like, you have to exercise. Well, I'm too tired to exercise. And I well, that's why the more you exercise, the more you'll have energy. And so there's all these sort of flipping these sacred cows on their on their side with what we're talking about. I appreciate everything that you've sent uh, today and, and shared. And there's no success leaves clues, as you know, and you could see a lot of clues in why you're doing so well personally and why you have such an amazing community that you're making huge uh, transformations with. So where do we see, how do we find out more about you? And when you go to your website, you'll see these transformations and they're quite awesome. So give our listeners, how do they hear more about you and, and get in contact with you? Um, best thing to do is my main social media platforms, mainly Instagram. So if you reach out to me at Charlie Johnson Fitness. Uh, if you found this episode of the podcast helpful, please make sure you share it with your stories and tag both myself and Joel would be cool. Um, and drop, feel free to drop me a message with any questions. Um, I've also got my own podcast, which is called The Shredded Show. Uh, we've got tons of educational information on there. We'll talk you through a lot of the stuff we talked through today in more detail. Um, I've also got my own YouTube channel, which is Charlie Johnson Fitness. There's lots of cool, helpful content on there. Um, and yeah, I've got my, my website at charliejohnsonfitness.com. So if anyone wants any help with anything, feel free to reach out. Um, and yeah, the podcast, the YouTube channel, Instagram, I've got tons of helpful content out there to help you. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Charlie. And what time are you there now? What, what's the time over in Dubai? Uh, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. So we're just warming up for the evening. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, listen, I appreciate your time and um, perhaps we get back on another call for part two, uh, but um, thank you so much for everything that you shared to, to me. And I, I wish you f future success, Charlie. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks for tuning into today's show. If you like what you've heard and you're interested to see if you're a good fit to work with our adrenal awakening program, here's what to do next. Head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply and book an appointment to speak to our team. Here's how it works. We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes and get you crystal clear on three things. Number one, where exactly do you want to be with your health and where are you now? Number two, what are the genetic components that haven't been discovered that are impacting your health? And number three, what are the environmental triggers that may be overlapping with these genetic components keeping you from getting optimal health? Remember, getting your energy back just won't happen by itself. You need expert guidance to make that happen. We've helped clients all over the world transform their lives, quadruple their energy, and fix their metabolism, and make the world a better place. To see if you can do the same thing, head to adrenalfatiguesociety.com forward slash apply. I'm Dr. Richard Joel Rosen and we'll talk to you soon.